0: A reading from Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. The Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated.
1: Well, it is good to be with you all this morning. As we uh, prepare to consider God's word, would you uh, pause with me as we seek him in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, you are the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. Uh, You are unlimited, unlike us, in all your ways and will. And we come to you this morning and pray that as present we are here with one another, Would you be gracious to make your presence known among us? Would you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be found amongst your people? And would your presence be refreshing and encouraging as water to parched ground? We pray for your Holy Spirit, especially that he would come and implant this word in our hearts, that it may bear fruit in days to come. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as you've probably experienced, uh, anytime you get to know someone, you, know, you really get to know what they love. That's part of the process of a relationship, as you come to discover the different things that people love. And so if you come to know Andy Jones, you'll get to discover some of the things that I love. I love Leah. Leah is my wife, has been for almost 26 years I don't know, you can ask her what it's, her experience of being loved by me, that may be a whole different story, but I, I loved her, I love her, my future is joined to her. Uh, I love my kids, I love Emma and Banner and Elliot and Daniel. Uh, you know, they animate my life in ways that you all don't, uh, that when you text me, I see your names pop up on my phone, I think, I'll get to that, you know, maybe at some point. But, but if their names pop up on my phone, I, I jump because I just expect they're just going to tell me how much they love me and miss me. Uh, unfortunately, that's not always the case. Uh, I love learning new things. I love to read books about things I have no knowledge of just so I can learn something. I love to, to try things I've never tried before just for the learning experience like fixing your dryer or running a marathon or starting a business. I love salty foods. I I don't eat chocolate and ice cream, but I I will eat every basket of chips and salsa that you put in front of me. I will eat the entire bucket of popcorn at the movies. There's no sharing in this experience for us. I I love Auburn football, and because of that, I've come to love self-loathing and crying as a grown man and those (laughs) sorts of things. But these are things that you would easily discover about me as you get to know me you'd get to discover things that I love. And what you would also discover is that these, lo- these loves I have shape and influence my life. That They dictate the way I spend my time. They dictate the way I spend my money. They dictate the things I like to talk about and get excited about because they're things that I love. That's the nature of what love does for us. It shapes and influences the rest of our lives. And I'm sure if I got to know you all, I'd get to know All the things that you love. But the words of Jesus, as he's responding to this question this morning, remind us that at the, he says that at the heart of the citizens of his kingdom, that their identity should manifest itself through the things that they love. That they love God and that they love their neighbor, the people that God puts into their lives that this is the primary way that Christian, the citizens of his kingdom uh, identity expresses itself, which is just another way of saying as people get to know Christians, right, the things they ought to discover about us are things that we love, that we love the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we love the people God's put into our lives, and that this love that we have shapes and influences and reorients the way we spend our time, the way we spend our money, the way that we prioritize things in our lives, that loves, shape, and influence us. Did you, know, you may notice here Jesus is asked this question. It's, it's sort of a, a, a moment maybe where somebody's trying to uh, ask him to settle a debate about what's most important because in the Old Testament, there's over 600 different commandments. And so Jesus is asked to name which one is the most important. And so you you may observe here that Jesus' uh, words are merely quotes. Jesus does not say anything original, really, in this section uh, of interaction, but he just quotes two verses from the Old Testament. He quotes Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he quotes Leviticus 19. And Jesus' point is that if you really want to talk about the integrity of the entire structure of what God said in the Old Testament. It's built upon these commands, love God and love your neighbor. In fact, the, just in case you think that maybe these words are just a, uh, confined to the red letter parts of the Bible, uh, Paul goes on to reiterate this in Romans 13, where Paul says, whatever, whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the fulfillment of the law, Romans 13:10. And then again in Galatians 5, Paul says, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. The Old Testament made this point of emphasis. Jesus makes this a point of emphasis. Paul makes this a point of emphasis. It should probably be our point of emphasis too, I'm thinking. That this is the entirety of how we are to think of what God desires of us as his children. That we love him and that we love those he has put into our lives. So what does does love mean? Uh, What is love? Baby, don't hurt me if you know that song. Uh, What is love? What does it mean to love? Well, the people who who heard this uh, saying of Jesus in its original context probably would have thought of love with a different twist than we think of love. We think of love primarily in terms of affection, that to love someone is to have affection for that person. And that's true, though it's not necessarily primary. But in the Bible love is loyalty. That's what love is in the Bible. It is to be loyal to someone. We think of love as feeling, whereas the Bible primarily thinks of it as faithfulness. That whether or not we feel love for particular people, the Bible tells us we're still required to show love to particular people. And the feelings sometimes may come before or sometimes maybe on a delayed train far behind us, (laughs) and hopefully we'll arrive at some point. But either way, the Bible thinks about love in terms of loyalty, that when you love something, someone, you bind yourself to that person. You pledge your allegiance. You make an oath. And if you want to see this, just look at the Old Testament and how God operates. God does not know of love outside of a covenant. That's how he shows his love, right? When God shows his love towards people throughout the Bible, what does he do? He enters into covenant with them. He swears his loyalty to them. What does God say to Abraham and the Israelites? You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. And nothing's ever going to change that. Nothing. And in fact, he goes out of his way in Deuteronomy 7 to tell them, and by the way, this has nothing to do with how good you look. <laughs> like, you're really not that pretty. Uh, there's prettier nations, but I'm going to commit myself to you. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people, and nothing will ever change that. And the Bible says, that's love. That's love. The, this is Love is about covenant-making and covenant-keeping and the promises that God makes. And, of course, we have that beautiful... Episode in Ruth, right? Of love. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you you stay, I will stay. Love in the Bible is about binding yourself to another person, it's about loyalty. Feelings are certainly involved, but primarily it's about a commitment one makes to another. And so when Jesus says these words, he's saying probably something that would have rung differently in the ears of these original listeners. But he's calling us to pledge our allegiance to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also to pledge our allegiance to the people that God's put in our life, the the neighbor, as the Bible refers to it. But you know, if you think about, if you start to think about the love as loyalty, it makes more sense of other parts of the Bible. Because Jesus here speaks positively about love love God, love your neighbor. But there are other parts of the Bible that speak of love in the negative, what not to love. You may remember famously, right, 1 John 2, love not the world, nor the things in the world. So think about that, those words in the concept of loyalty. Don't bind yourself to the world. Don't pledge your heart, soul, mind, and strength to the world. And John goes on to say why in 1 John 2, because the world and its desires pass away. John says, if you bind yourself to the world, I'm going to tell you what comes of it. That it's going to pass away. The end of it is going to be destruction. 1 Timothy 6, another familiar passage of Scripture. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Don't love money, the Bible says. Why? Why shouldn't you bind your heart, soul, mind, and strength to money? Because, uh, Paul goes on to tell Timothy because on account of this, many have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul says, Timothy, money will always break your heart. If you love money, if you bind yourself to money, you're going to love it. It will not promise to love you back. In fact, he says, it will cause you many sorrows. And even interestingly, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says to Timothy, the, there will be terrible times in the last days. So, Paul is about to describe to Timothy how things are just going to really fall apart in the world. He says, There will be terrible times in the last days. And his first description of these terrible times is people will love themselves. That people's exclusive commitment, people's exclusive loyalty will be to their own desires. And Paul says, And this is when things really fall apart. That when if all you're abounding yourself, all you bind yourself to is your own desires and this is what everyone does, then Paul says, this is the end of time. This is when things really fall apart. Because love is about loyalty, and the Bible encourages us to be careful what we bind ourselves to, what we pledge ourselves to. Because when you bind yourself to something, right, you're pushing your chips in with its future on where it's going to be, where it will take you, what it will do for you. And of course, this is why many young couples, before their wedding day, as it approaches, get rightfully nervous. <laughs> as for these momentary uh, episodes, the affections are set aside and they begin to realize what's about to happen. <laughs> that I'm about to stand in front of God, family, and friends and bind myself to another human Forever. And that seems like a long time. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, the sobriety and the gravity of the moment, right, begins to, to come to the forefront of your minds. And you begin to wonder, Am I make, have I? Have is this the right person? Is this the right time of life? Am I ready for this? Are they ready for this, right? Because you realize that what you're doing is about loyalty. It's about binding yourself to another person and to their future. And so when we are implored to love God, It is to love him and to set aside all of the things that would get in the way of that love, but also to love him because we believe that the future he has designed for us is the future worth having. But the same is true of our neighbor, that to love our neighbor is to live in solidarity with our neighbor, to even do things at our own hurt so that they would prosper, like sacrifice things so that they can have things. Uh, the, The French theologian, Jacques Ellul, has a great uh, quote in which he says, Love is totalitarian. It demands everything else be subservient to it. Love is totalitarian. When you love something, it dictates what you can do with your life. That if you saw my grocery budget, you would see chips and salsa and popcorn and planters' peanuts and all kinds of salty foods, right, on the receipts. Because my love of salty foods... Influences and shapes the way I spend my money, right? That love is totalitarian. It starts to dictate the way you do things. It demands service. Jesus says this in Matthew 6 No one can serve two masters. Why? Because you're going to love one and you're going to hate the other. Love is about loyalty, and you can only be loyal to one master, Jesus reminds us. So, love is loyalty, and Jesus brings that out here with these two commands from the Old Testament. But it's also a helpful reminder where these two commands from the Old Testament appeared in the Old Testament. And that is, they appeared, God gave the Israelites these commands after He had rescued them from Egypt, after He had delivered them from the house of slavery, after He had brought them through the Red Sea on dry ground, after, all of, after God's redeeming of the people of Israel he says, love God and love your neighbor. That in other words, these commandments are not given by Jesus or God as stipulations for entry into his kingdom, but rather they are meant to be the primary expressions of people who are in his kingdom. That, that he says, live from the experience you've live from the experience of being loved and redeemed. How? By loving others by loving me live out of the experience i have given you and of course this is the message of all of paul's letters as well right yeah you know, i was recently had the opportunity to visit with a a christian gentleman from myanmar who's just moved to the united states and i was asking him how his adjustment is going living here and he he smiled and started laughing he said well he said we moved into this apartment building He said, "So I did what was natural." He said, "I just started going door to door, knocking on doors, and introducing myself and my family to people." (laughs) He says, "But he said it was about the sixth door that I realized that that was not a custom in this country." (laughs) He said, "Somebody was gracious enough to tell me might not want to do this." (laughs) But why? Why would you do that? Right? It seems so unnatural to us. But right? He's just living from his experience. This is what you do, right? This This is all he knows. This is custom. And the, the, this is what the Bible says about love when it comes to Christians. They just live out of their experience. They are, they are people who've been loved and so their instinct is just to, just to love. And so f- these commandments are not prerequisites for living in the kingdom, but rather they're simply manifestations of peoples whose lives have been characterized, who have experienced the love of God in Christ Jesus and who simply see it expressed in their own lives as they live out of that experience. You know, the Bible talks about love and it being about loyalty, but Jesus' words here also are just a reminder that that love is just central to our thinking and living as Christians. It should be central. It should be sort of the point of focus for us as we think about what does it mean to live like a Christian. It means to love. You know, we, we have a tendency to make things more complex than they need to be. Uh, Presbyterians especially, that's our gift to the kingdom of God. Make things complex. Uh, and we've done wonderful service over the centuries. But I was reminded of, of this, that I, I was having a, a meeting uh, with the CEO of a, a coffee company. They, they, they sell, they roast beans, make hundreds of millions of dollars a year selling beans on Grocery store shelves. And I like to learn things. So when I meet people like this, I just, I want to know everything. How do you source your beans? What's the supply chain issues? I want to see spreadsheets. I just like to learn. And about halfway through the conversation when he saw I had this insatiable appetite for, I was not going to stop asking questions. uh, He he said, and he's like, I'm just going to tell you. You want to know what my life is like leading this business? He's like, my job is to make beans that people will want to buy and get them to do it again like, that's what I do. and Now, I'm sure this man's days look a lot different than that, right? I am sure that his days are filled with spreadsheets. His, his days are filled with meetings that could have been an email, right? His days are filled with all kinds of tediousness. But he, he just has that central point of focus he comes back to, right? What, what should drive the decision-making of the company? Is this going to make our beans better? Is this going to help us to provide a satisfying experience for customers that they'll want to do this again. And for us as Christians, we, these words of Jesus and Paul uh, bring us back to a point of focus. As we live, as we read the Bible, as we get involved in Bible study, all good things, it's, it's easy to get caught up in all sorts of the rabbit trails of the faith. You know, what is Gog and Magog and all these other things we come across in the Bible. But at the end of the day, we need a point of focus and we need to keep it simple and central. And Jesus does that for us. And he says, love God, love your neighbor. This, this is what the whole thing's about. <laughs> this, and, and, if, and if you're faced with decisions, let this be the filter through which you make your decisions. Is this going to push forward my agenda, the agenda God's given me, to love him and to love others? Is this going to get in the way of that agenda God's given me? of loving him and loving others. We need this point of focus as Christians. It doesn't have to be complex. It can be very simple, as Jesus shows here. But you notice in this exchange Jesus has that he tells the the scribe at the end who affirms Jesus' answer, who sees the wisdom of it. Jesus, in verse 34, says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus tells the scribe, you're you're really, really close now to seeing what this is all about. And so for Christians, as Christians, we need to be reminded that uh, what's love got to do with it? Well, it's got to do everything with it. That this is what the whole thing is about. And that even this morning, as we partake of this meal, it is an opportunity for God to replay for us His own love for us. And for God to remind us I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, and nothing will ever change that. That what Christ has done, he's done once and for all, and so that we are his forever. And having experienced his love even here this morning, he invites us to live out of that experience in the world and to have our identity be found as people who love God and who love the people that he puts in our path. Pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you that, you that we can love only because you have first loved us. And so we pray that that would be what we take away from our experience here today, is that we would be reminded and reassured of your own love for us. And we do pray that as we go throughout our week, that we would have it as our agenda by the, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to live out of the experience of your love in love to you and those you put in our path. Though that may be very complex at times, we pray that there would be nothing simpler to us about what it means to be a Christ follower than to love you and to love others. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.